0: Walk in love,
1: live Live by faith, faith. and experience God's prosperity in every every area of your life.
0: all right testing testing one two All right. anyway hey this is welcome 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 to refresh bible study this is fellowship of champions church where we're teaching you how to walk in love how to live by faith and experience god's prosperity i am pastor ralph and it is wednesday night so you know it's refreshed bible study uh and i'm so glad that you've chosen to worship with us tonight if you haven't already, please go ahead and share the broadcast, tag a friend, uh, post it to your story uh, and put it in places that you have permission to share it. All right. Uh, let us know that where you're listening from or where you're watching live by hashtagging live or watching the replay by hashtagging uh, replay and letting us know where you're watching from. Uh, let me pull up my comments so I can see uh, see who's on. Uh, so make sure you do that. All right, we'll go over two announcements real quick, and then we're going to get into the work. All right, two announcements. You guys already know what they are. What they are, if you have been uh, at any service, the first two announcements. I've been saying number one, it is scholarship month. All right, so it is. Uh, uh, scholarship Drive July 1st to July 31st. I was looking for the date. Then I got a text message. Hold on. It is Wednesday, the 27th. All right. So we got four days. All right. To come up with the other, not come up with. We we have four days for the other fifteen thousand dollars to manifest. All right. So you guys who and Snowy Cookie, y'all remember where <laughs> what it feels like to be at this point. All right. You don't fret. You don't worry. You just simply obey God, you know? And so, what we do right now, God, we thank you for gap fillers. We thank you for people that you have placed in this earth to fulfill this need uh, for such a time as this. So, Father God, we thank you that it's there. We thank you that everything that we need to meet the goal that you said that we set out for us to meet of $100,000 that it is manifested. We call uh, every person that hasn't donated, that we make sure, Father, we thank you that through social media, through word of mouth, through whatever manner, that they will hear that calling and they will hearken to your voice to give. We thank you that right now in the name of Jesus that everyone that has sown into this scholarship fund will receive a hundred harvest of the seed that they've sown. We thank you for those who choose to give above and beyond the gift that you've asked. We pray a special blessing onto their life and we thank you in advance for a manifestation of a finished work of $100,000 to bless students to go to school. We, be, we just believe God, we declare that's done, all right? And then join us Sunday, all right? as pastor evan and pastor sean announced the fact that we have a hundred thousand dollars in scholarship uh, money this year you guys already know we've already uh Uh, Exceeded things right So we might as well close this thing out And So join us Sunday July 31st As as we do just that Uh, It'll be uh, our huddle Which is our face to face service Located uh, at our Northwest Arkansas Location in Fayetteville It'll be at 11 o'clock a.m. Central Standard Time And so come fellowship with us uh, And enjoy the party That'll be thrown as we celebrate God And all the accomplishments he's made uh, In our lives So do that All right so those are two announcements. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. We I pray that as I teach your word, Father, that you'll be all of you, none of me. I pray that your word will come through with clarity and understanding. And I thank you that it will bring forth your glory in this earth. I thank you that the people here, they will understand, and we will all be converted into more better representatives of who you are in this earth. I thank you that we will remain steadfast and remove remove. unmovable. I thank you that we will not allow our eyes to fool us into deceiving, that we cannot trust you. We will not let circumstances or situations cause us to think that we can't trust you, Father, but we declare that we lean heavily on your word and not our own understanding. We declare that in all our ways we acknowledge you and we know that our paths are, are directed and we come out on top. So we thank you for the victory in advance tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so you guys know the last couple of weeks we've been talking about perseverance and pressing in, and so tonight we're going to continue that. Uh, if you haven't uh, heard any of the messages from the last couple of Wednesday, I encourage you to go do that. I think they're on Spotify, I believe so, uh, or all of our podcast channels. Uh, and if you haven't been listening to the series on. Uh, we're on part five now uh living a life of righteousness on sundays make sure you go check that out all right even if you miss a sunday we say this all the time as a partner at foc even if you miss a sunday you miss the wednesday right you're still responsible for the word that was taught why because the enemy is going to come for that uh, as a partner. So you got to make sure that you're getting in the word. All right. So let's just jump right into it. Uh, This has been a scripture that we've been sharing each Wednesday, Philippians 3, 13 through 14. It says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the price for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press on. Go ahead and type that in, in the comments. Say, I press on. All right. And so that was the uh, foundational scripture we began using when I opened the series a couple of weeks ago. And so what we got to understand is that that anybody who's ever experienced a miracle, anybody who's ever experienced deliverance, anybody who's ever experienced breakthrough or anything, they did not give up during tough times. And so in order for us to manifest the promises of God, then we can't give up. He told us, that in this world we'll have trouble. But he said, Fear not, I've already overcome the world. Jesus, God never stated it will be easy for the believer. He says, Yeah, my yoke is easy, and people say that, but that yoke was talking about the the calling on our life. It wasn't, it wasn't a yoke in the sense that he the 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 manifestation of the premises will be easy, but the thing I've called you to, the yoke will fit you. The task, the calling on your life will be easy. That's what he he was saying in that. The yoke will be easy. The thing I've called you to will fit you perfectly. That's what that scripture was saying. And so as we endeavor to manifest the things of God, we have to understand that there will be obstacles. There will be situations. There will be people that oftentimes contradict the thing that God has said. But we got to persevere. We got to move on. All right. So uh, we got to move on. Let's keep moving tonight. We're going to jump right in so that we can take advantage of our time. And the thing that we're going to talk about tonight is pressing in. Don't let your eyes fool you. Because the enemy is always trying to convince you that you cannot have what God has said. And oftentimes he does that by putting things into our lives that's contradictory to the promises of God. And so we're, let's talk about that. In Mark 5, uh, you'll find the story of Jairus, right? You'll find the story of Jesus' is teaching, he's uh. Let's just read it. When Jesus had again, crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. So here you got Jesus, right? He had just got off the boat. Everybody's coming, swarming around Jesus. And it's a large crowd there. And Jairus comes because he knows Jesus is a healer, right? Have you ever came to Jesus because you knew Jesus was the answer? I mean, I have. I know I have several times. And so when you got there you got there and you heard Jesus and Jesus said, I hear your cry, baby, i go with you. And you know, if Jesus go with you, then you know, you got your problem solved. And so G.I.R.S. and they are walking, they're doing their thing, they're on their way to his house. And then on his way to this house, This widow woman shows up and she's trying to get to Jesus. And she's like, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. And so through all these people now, Jairus is like, yeah, we're on my way to the house. My daughter is sick. I know Jesus can heal her. Let's go, Jesus. And you, he probably trying to move Jesus along with some urgency, right? Because he doesn't want his daughter to die. And so in the meantime, this woman presses in and touches Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus stops what he's doing. And, and have you guys ever been in a situation where you went to God, you heard God, you felt like things were going, and then it just feels like everything stopped? Just because it feels that way doesn't change the outcome. Don't tell your neighbor this. Say, say circumstances Don't change the outcome. And so at that time, Jairus, they were no longer moving. Jesus had asked his disciple, who touched me? And the disciple's like, Jesus, you in the crowd. What do you mean, who touched me? He's like, I felt power leave. And so Jesus is like, who did it? And then the woman comes forth, and they're having a full conversation about her healer. Right? And Jairus is just sitting there chilling, like, I thought we were going to... My daughter's house, right? God, I thought this was my time to get blessed. I see you blessing everybody else. What about me, God? I mean, come on, y'all, y'all ain't never did that. Maybe it's only me. Maybe it's only me. So I talk about myself. But anyway, that's what was occurring. And as he's talking to the woman who's not healed and delivered from her her blood illness, the servants come and say, Jairus, in Matthew Mark five verse thirty five. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. "Your daughter is dead," they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Why bother? We're going to talk about some things that poison your uh, poison your perseverance in a little bit, and one of those things is passive people. All right, you're taming your team. Why bother the teacher anymore? Over here, what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. So the enemy is always looking for an opportunity. And I can't even blame it on the enemy because sin exists in the earth. There are going to be opportunities for you not to believe. There are going to be things, there are going to be no's to the uh, home loan. There are going to be people who you thought were going to be your spouses that leave you. There are going to be all of these things that occur, but trust me, circumstances don't change the outcome. And so soon as he heard, uh, soon as they said that Jesus told Jairus, "Don't be afraid, just believe." So Jairus had to make a choice: Do I believe what I hear from my servants? Do I believe what I hear from these persecutors? Do I believe what I hear from these passive people? Do I believe what I hear based on the reality of what they just seen at my house? Do I believe this? Or do I grab on to what God has said and I press in? Because here's what we got to believe. Perseverance is always a choice. God isn't mandating us to seek him. He isn't mandating us to have faith. He isn't mandating us to believe always, every moment of the day, perseverance is a choice. And so J.I.R. has decided, you know what? I'm going to take him at his word right? But let's look at what Jesus told him when he said, don't be afraid. That word afraid, when you look it up in the Strong's Concordance, uh, it says to put to flight by terrifying, to be seized by or be alarmed. That word believe means to have faith in, make a commitment or put confidence in. So in other words, this is what Jairus, God told Jairus when Jairus heard a word that contradicted what God had told him. He says, don't be put to flight by terror or seized by alarming information. What do you mean put to flight? Don't run away from your faith. Don't run away from the commitment. Don't be put to flight and seized by fear that you can no longer have confidence in the word that I've given you. He's saying stay put. You know what another word for that is? Be patient. Be consistent, let patience have our perfect work so you may be perfect and entire wanting, lacking nothing. He said, be consistent, Jairus. He said, stay committed in confidence to the words I have said. That's what he told Jairus. Don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be put to flight by terror. Don't be seized by alarming information. Stay committed and in confidence in the words that I have said. Man, doesn't that just speak to you? Hey, hey, Ralph, don't worry about the economy. Don't be put to flight by, 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 uh, by that. Don't be seized by alarming information and unexpected debt. Stay committed and in confidence to the words that I have said. And so if you just continue to read that story, Jesus finishes up with the lady. They go to the house, and even when they get to the house, everybody up at the house is crying, gnashing the teeth, because they're talking about the girl is dead. Once again, by his eyes, he could have made a choice not to believe. But Jesus, the Bible says that they brought him in along with a couple, brought him and his wife in along with a couple people, and he told the girl to get up a uh, sleeping girl to get up. And so you can't abandon the word of God. I want to tell you tonight: don't be afraid. Just believe. You can't abandon the word from God simply because your eyes telling you something different. You can't abandon the word of God simply because your ears telling you something different. You cannot rely on sense realm knowledge to give you confidence in a in the manifestation of the premises of god the premises of god are received by faith faith is not dependent upon how we feel faith is not dependent upon what we see with our natural eyes faith is not dependent upon what your mama and your daddy and your cousin and the economist and the banker are saying faith is dependent upon the word of god because why Faith that starts where the will of God is known. So if there's a will of God for you to be healthy, then that's all that you need. You don't need your friends to exercise with you. You don't need anybody. I don't care if you've been fat all your life. You don't need anybody else's okay. If the Lord says, this is it, it's time to get fit. You don't need any, uh, you don't need co passengers and co pilots You just got to go after what God has said because God has said it. So, don't be put to flight by terror. All right. You're going to have to decide to commit. Uh, And Pastor Edwin, uh, I remember at McNair, taught on that word decision. And that word decision is actually, when you look up the etymology of the word, the word, it's two words, D and Kader. Uh, The word D means off, the word kadir or Kader means cut. And so, when I make a decision, I cut off everything else. So I got to cut off all things that hinder me from committing to persevering with God. I got to cut off everything that hinders me, that uh, hinders my faith. I got to cut off everything that begins to be a roadblock in my ability to manifest the premises of God and paint those pictures on the canvases of my imagination so I may see them and run with them. It's my job to decide. God can't decide for you. All God can do is give it to you. He can't decide for you. He I mean he says, I love before you life and death. Now he told you to choose life, but he ain't gonna make you choose it. So what do you got to cut off? Some people you just need to stop watching the news. Some of you need to turn off your phone notifications after a certain time of the day. why because that's that personal uh, p- that personal uh, persuasion that's causing you to miss out on God, right? We're going to talk about the five things that poison our perseverance. Your own personal issues, getting in the way of you seeking God. You got to stop checking your credit score, baby. God never told you getting that house would be dependent upon your credit score. God didn't tell you that getting that car was going to be dependent upon your credit score. God didn't tell you that. And so now you're out here disqualifying yourself based off what you observe with your eyes when God never told you that. God said that you can have this. He didn't say you can have this based upon your credit score. He didn't say you could have this based upon your degrees. He didn't say you could have this based upon the money you have in the bank. God said that this belonged to you. So it's not our job to plan. It's our job to persevere. It's not our job to plan, it's our job to persevere. So if God told me I can have it, it's only my job to see God and allow him to tell me about the plan on how we're going to obtain it. But so many times we pull into uh, spiritual situations Earthly constructs, and then we make those earthly constructs the thing that poisons our ability to persevere because we like, oh, my credit score, oh, I don't got the down payment, oh, interest rates are too high, oh, that they're talking about a recession. All of these things are simply earthly constraints. Don't let your eyes fool you. So, manifest- manifestation requires your perseverance. It requires their perseverance. Let's go to Mark 2. It says, Mark 2, verses 1 through 5, a few days later, when Jesus again entered, entered into Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left. Not even outside the door. He preached the word to them. I mean, they they having a good old revival. It, it, ain't, it ain't no room nowhere. Everybody packed in there to hear Jesus. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get in, not get him, get to him, to Jesus, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And then Lord, the mat that the man was laying on. Verse five says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw their faith, your faith has evidence. Your faith has substance, right? Hebrews 11 and 6 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So so imagine you at Big Mama's house. I remember being at my grandma's house uh, during the summer. And it was family reunion time, and everybody was there, right? So the house is crowded, all the adults on the inside, the kids told out to play, and you just want to go in and get a cup of water. Well, you had to press your way through, and sometimes that was difficult. So imagine a situation that is so crowded that you can't get through but your friends are so committed to your deliverance and their faith they so committed to you being uh set free and healed that they begin to go out of their way see sometimes the traditional route isn't the route you're going to be able to take to get what you need you ain't gonna be able to do what everybody else is doing You're not going to be able to to imitate everything that you read in that book. It may just not work for you. But the thing is, if you tame your team and you got the right friend, there's so many messages in that. If you tame your team and you got the right friends in this situation, Jesus said that he saw their faith. And you got to understand they had to do, do, do some work. You just don't climb up on a house. And it's just I mean, I'm sure when they started carrying him, they didn't have hammers. They didn't have a crowbar. They they didn't have anything to remove nails and sticks. They didn't have a chainsaw. Wow, when they got to the situation, they did what was required to get what they had already seen. Their deliverance of their friend, it wasn't the first time they saw his deliverance when Jesus told him to be healed. That was the second time they saw it. The first time they saw it, was in their own minds on the canvas of their imagination. See that's how they persevere. That's how they pulled those boards, board from board from that roof. That's how they took them shingles off or the straw off the house. That's how they climbed got the man up there and they made the ladders. I'm sure it took them hours. They only were able to see do that because they had already seen the end before the beginning. So many times you can't persevere because you don't have an image. And without an image there will not be any type of sustaining there won't be any type of pressing in there won't be any type of commitment because you ain't ever seen what god said that's why it's so easy to quit you ain't never seen what god said you heard pastor edwin say something you heard Pastor Chris and Pastor Shun say something. You heard Minister Chandra or somebody on a praise team on a prayer team say something, but you ain't seen it for yourself. It ain't painted on the canvas of your imagination. Therefore, when tough, because no their faith made their friend whole, right? But you don't even got good friends that's going to carry you like that. You ain't tamed your team. And so, because of that, a failure to see you don't see because of a failure to see you don't see because there won't be any perseverance if you can't see a finish line. So, but anyway, let's keep going. So we can get through our notes. Jesus saw substance in their belief. He saw they were not just hoping and wishing, right? They wouldn't just come to church on Sunday and coming on Wednesday and attending prayer, but really not meditating on the word until it became their reality see their belief had corresponding action that caused them to persevere through obstacles to obtain what had already been manifested in their heart now faith is so when they established faith they already had the substance and the evidence of what they had not quite yet seen in the natural faith is your title deed it gives you ownership And we'll talk about that. Faith gives you ownership. Say this is what faith does. Faith says this. Oh, they put it up there. Say this. My faith makes it mine. My faith makes it mine. Your faith takes ownership of the promises of God. Why? Because faith is now. Faith is Evidence. got The Bible says that Jesus saw their faith. What did He see? The corresponding action of what they believed. What did He? Same way with the Tower of Babel. Y'all remember the Tower of Babel? He said, "Let me go down here and see what they were doing." They had not yet built anything, but they had purposed in their hearts and their minds to build. Jesus saw their faith. Can He see your faith? Is the thing, image in your mind? In your heart so big that it corresponds and requires action to show up. Because when we are in faith, what happens are we are persevering towards a completed task. When I am in faith, I am persevering towards a completed task. Make this note in your mind and in your notebook or wherever you want to put it. If the task is not is incomplete in your mind, you're not in faith. Faith never has incomplete images. When the word of God comes to you, when the word of God came, and Pastor Edwin said fifty thousand dollars, right? And then Pastor Nietzsche came was praying, and it was a hundred thousand. Pastor Edwin agreed with that. The word is a hundred thousand dollars. He wasn't in his mind when we're in faith thinking, oh, it's just 85. No, the complete picture is a hundred. So to have an incomplete picture is to not be in faith because it's not established on what the word has said. So anytime God tells me something, if I have an incomplete picture of that, then I am not in fully in Faith, I'm not fully persuaded When Abraham Abraham wasn't like, oh man Let me get this uh, erection And then I ain't gonna do nothing with it No, he said I had to go into his wife I know it's a joke, it's a funny, but he had to go into his wife. Why? Because he saw a completed task. So many times we don't see the finished product, therefore we don't put the effort in to complete something. You don't see a finished product, you don't pursue a finished product. You don't see a completed task, you don't see a completed task. So many times you just like, oh, Laura said I'm gonna lose weight, but you never stay long enough to get a plan of action. You never stay long enough, uh, to hear God's voice on how to bring it to pass, you just take the, oh, I'm going to do this, and you run with it without ever stopping to ask God, what does that look like? What is my weight going to be? How much should I expect to lose each month? What would be my regimen of faith? What would be my plan on bringing this to pass? Without a completed picture, you fail because your, your faith will not sustain you because you haven't completed the picture in your own mind. You got to see yourself as complete first before you ever see yourself complete. So you may not have all the details around how to work, but faith guarantees it will reappear the way God has promised. And I did say that reappear. You may not have all the details on how it's going to work, but faith guarantees it will reappear the way God has promised. When God told April and I about this house, we didn't know how it was going to work. Heck, all I could do was depend on God because we didn't have the money. And so when we signed the papers, we just saw we just saw the reappearance of what we had already seen by faith. That's all that we were doing. When, when healing manifests, it's just a reappearance of what we have already seen by faith. When our marriage is whole, it's just a reappearance of what we have already seen by faith. Perseverance occurs when I have an image in my mind. But here are some things that poisons our poison our perseverance. What poisons our perseverance? Plague and problems. If it ain't one thing, it's another. What part po- poisons our perseverance? Plummeting provision, lack always seems to be somewhere. All right. What's another thing that poisons our perseverance? Painful persecution. Right. Hearing people say it ain't gonna work. You know, uh, uh, going to the bank and they telling you no. People telling you that you ain't smart enough or nobody in your family's done this. As we call them, the haters. Right. That 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 persecution that you receive. What else poisons our poisons our perseverance Personal perversions, the little issues you wrestle with that hinder your confidence and your commitment, that causes you not to be able to persevere. God has already forgiven you, but what sin does, sin brings shame and it brings condemnation. Sin causes you to disqualify yourself so that you don't feel like you deserve the promises that God has already given you. Your personal perversions interrupts your ability and poisons your ability to persevere. And then passive people, because you don't got good people on your team. You don't got nobody. Your team whack. That's I mean, your team whack. Can you imagine that man not having four good friends to lift him up, dig, and cut a hole in the roof and lower him there? His whole life was changed because of the people he spent time around. Where the people you spend time around dig a hole lift you up cut a hole in the roof it didn't say they were carpenters either like that that, it doesn't say that they were skilled men in construction it just says that they got them up do you have somebody said do you have four good friends praise god i got four good friends Right. But here's the thing. We all have experienced plague and problems and we're all experienced plummeting provisions. And that's kind of where we're going to hang our hat tonight as we kind of talk about don't let your eyes fool you, because problems and plummeting provisions are both things. Dang, said, Your folks suck. I hope they don't. Let's not make that confession. I pray that everybody has friends that will encourage them in the Lord. I thank you that they have friends that will hear God on their behalf and tell them what they say. Now, I pray that you hear your friends and obey them when they hear from God. I don't want anybody to have sucky friends. Um, but when God tells you to let people go, I, I love what Pastor Un says, you're my friend because God said so, right? So many times we make friends based on how we feel about them. We make friends and we pull people in close because they're family and, and come for them if you want. I don't really care. Family don't make you friends. There, I said it. Family doesn't make you my friend. If you are not endeavoring to go in the direction in which God has called me to go, then you can't. You can't be within that close circle, right? That's just not how that works. Uh, but anyway, not to deter from what we're doing tonight. But somebody needs to get free. Just because they're family doesn't mean they got to be your BFF. Just because they've been your BFF all your life doesn't mean that they're called to to go with you on this next journey in your life. You got to be willing to have the relationships in which God has told you to have. And sometimes we are hindered from uh, promotion and provision simply because we won't get rid of people in our lives. It's kind of like some for some people, like aching and the curse thing, you got people you hold on to that God has called you to let go of, partly because you think you're God for them and you're always rescuing them and you're interfering with their ability to hear God and grow up, all right? So anyway, that was free. Let's move on. So your earthly eyes will fail you, but the spirit sees perfection. You gotta understand when Moses. Think about this. Think about what Moses' eyes were seeing when he brought the children out of uh, uh, children of Israel out. They were they had the Red Sea in front of them and Pharaoh's army behind them. So in the natural, what they saw was an insurmountable situation, right? You like God, you brought me here. For me to die, they was like, "Is there not enough graves in Egypt, God? This is what we doing. You are gonna bring us out here, and 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 we gonna drown trying to cross the sea, or they gonna kill us?" That's that's what they were saying. Why? Because they began to lean more on their own sight with the situation, and as you lean on your own sight, the situation goes grim and more grim and darker. And darker until what? Your perseverance has been poisoned by the situ- plaguing what situ- problem that you see in front of you. Don't let your eyes fool you. Circumstances don't change your outcome. Circumstances don't change the outcome. The outcome was this. I have a land that I've chosen for you, flowing with milk and honey. That was the outcome for the children of Israel. That was the outcome. Their circumstance of the Red Sea Being in front of them Their circumstance Of Pharaoh's army Being behind them Does not change The outcome Unless you let Your eyes fool you And you let Your earthly You lean to your Earthly understanding That says Look You gonna drown this way You are gonna die that way Then what happens To your faith It is poisoned And you are no longer Able to persevere So I gotta commit to God I gotta commit to God So Have So there is always freedom when you commit to God. There is always liberty when you commit to God. There is always victory when you commit to God. Why? Because he always has a plan. So you don't ever have to worry about that. So when you get to a situation that seems insurmountable, when you get to a situation that seems totally contradictory to the word that you have got, that the word that you've got from God, you just got to be quiet long enough, right? To say, okay, God, what are you saying? Yes, being quiet may require you fasting. It may require you putting your flesh in check. It may require you giving up some time that you spend watching tv seeking god's faith face but god always has a plan for your life he always has a plan of deliverance he always has a plan of breakthrough he is already gone before you he is he is the god that goes before you breaker he is the breaker god and jeremiah 29 11 says states that he knows a plan that he has for us plans to prosperous and not harm us, and to give us a hope in the future. There was nothing about having a hope in the future if I drowned in the Red Sea or if I was killed by Pharaoh's army. There's nothing about having a good hope in the future if I don't got enough money to pay my bills and and I'm dying because my body is sick with ailments and illnesses. There's nothing hopeful about that. So God, what's the plan that you have for me so that I may experience this hope and have this future that you speak of. And the plan that he gives you, you got to be willing to walk it out. You can't be like, oh, I ain't going and dipping in that dirty river. I, ain't, I don't want him to spit in no dirt and rub it on my eyes. Do you want to be free? Do you want to see it now? Because you can't ask God to de- for deliverance and then tell him how to do it. So if, if your deliverance is go get a gastric sleeve, follow this plan. You know what? That's cool because that's your word from God. But if you are also 400 pounds and God says, I want you to go work out, then you can't now go get a gastric sleeve and expect there to be results. Your plan was to work out. You got to follow the plan in which he has for you, Jeremiah 2011. He knows the plan he has for us. Like, I really was messed up because, and Pastor Evan will tell you, I had to call him when I was believing God for the healing of my shoulder. I was in bad bad pain. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do all this. And I'm like, okay, God, man, what is happening? Like, I I believe I'm in faith. I'm like, I I know I'm healed. I know what your word says. And, And now the doctor's talking about surgery. I just felt like a punk if I took the surgery route. I ain't a lot to you. I felt like I was not operating in faith, and I talked, called Pastor Edwin. Is just like, what did the Lord say? I was like, I, I, I prayed about it. I felt like He said it was fine. I had a lot of peace with it. He said, "Well, what's the issue then?" So many times we want to put parameters on how God flows through you. Guess what? I ain't had no, I ain't had no, no more pain in my shoulder. I'm, I was playing football and throwing catch with my, playing catch with my kids. Why? Because he knows the plans that he has for you. But if you are always dictating the plans that God has for you and you're rerouting them based on your own understanding, then you're going to experience what the flesh provides, which is failure or disappointment. Or let's say this good. You may get good through your flesh, but you won't have great and abundance. And so many times you can get so satisfied with just saying good that you miss out on so much more. Like you grew up and and nobody ever made more than $40,000. Now you're making 150,000. But you didn't know that the spirit of God and his plan for you was to be a multimillionaire. But because you got so settled with good, 150K, nobody ever else has done this. And we're living a good life and we're vacationing four times a year. And we're able to buy our cars and houses cash. You settled for good and left abundance on the table. He knows the plans that he has for you, says the Lord. So our job isn't to plan. That's God's job. Our job is to persevere in faith, to press into the word and his promises. Our job isn't to plan. That's God's job. Our job is to persevere in faith, to press into the word and his promises. Now, I'm not saying that you don't have a plan of action. God's going to give you a plan of action. You write that thing down. So I'm not saying that you don't do anything. That's, That's not what I'm saying. But my job isn't to come up with a plan for my deliverance. That is God's job. My job is to have faith in the plan that he gives me for my deliverance. I love that, Shavandra. Yeah, God wants more than good for you. Y'all might as well, I like that. Go ahead and say that. God wants more than good for me. God wants more than good for me. He just, God wants more than good for me. He wants more than just good for me. I love that. I'm going to say that. God wants more than good for me. I got a good job, but God wants more than good for me. I'll make good money, but God wants more than good for me. I got a good marriage, but God wants more than good for me. So I won't get, I won't settle with just good. But if God says, I've come that you may have life and that life more abundantly, more abundantly. More abundantly, He said, you should be able to give to every good work and charitable donation. I ain't write the check for $100,000 this year. So I got, I got work to do in my finances. I didn't buy that family who house burned down a brand new house cash. So I still got work to do in my finances. I, I'm not a benefactor for the kingdom and able to build churches for churches who can't afford it but need a place to dwell. I ain't wrote that million dollar check yet. So I still got growth in my finances, right? Now, my family taking care of my wife and and the three kids, yeah, we are good. But there's so much more, right? Because God wants more than good for me. Hallelujah. He wants more than good for me. So there are so many situations, though, that we can encounter on, on the earth. That may seem insurmountable. I mean, think about with Daniel, right, as he entered the lion's den. That seemed insurmountable. What about the Hebrew boys as they entered the fiery furnace? That seems insurmountable. The widow woman, as she gave that last cake and that oil, I mean that bread to that to the uh to the man of God, you know, she was preparing to die. David, as he faced Goliath, Mary, as she was informed that she Uh, was going to be pregnant. All of those seem like situations to their eyes that will cause them to experience death, lack, or insufficiency. But tell your neighbor, don't let your eyes fool you, right? Don't let your senses cause you to miss out on an opportunity for God to be God. Don't let your earthly senses Cause you to miss out on an opportunity to let God be God, cause Daniel still lived through the lions den. The Hebrew boys made it through the fiery furnace, and they didn't even smell like smoke. Some of y'all should shout right there, cause you—I'm making it through a pandemic. I'm making it through a bad economy, and I won't even see the smell of lack in my house. I won't know what that looks like. And if you look at your life and you examine it closely, you have made it through some things, and they even realize they were. Going Going on around you if you didn't know somebody had told you i was talking to somebody today i was like man i don't even think about the price of gas when somebody talk about it why i need it and god gonna supply it I, I mean i look at my grocery receipt and i'm like dang but i don't think about it because i need it and i know god's gonna supply it I, i'm not worried about the mortgage payment why because i i, I need it and i know god's gonna supply it. i got seed in the ground and as a believer with seed in the ground, God is now obligated to ensure that I have as long as I don't quit with my perseverance, as long as I keep pressing into his word, as long as I keep putting a demand on the harvest of the seed that I've God, you told me that if I give, you will cause men to give back into me, pour into my bosom until it overflows. That's what you said, Lord. You said, uh, if I will... Bring my tithe into the storehouse, and you will pour out the open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. That that's what you said, God. You said, "Won't you try me if you could and see can you beat my giving?" That was your idea, God. So I'm operating in the principle in which you set up, Father. So because I'm doing this, I simply stay persevering and I press in and I commit to the fact that you're gonna do what you said do. Why? Because you're a God that you change not. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? He's the same God, and he keeps showing up on our behalf. So I don't let what my eyes observe cause me. Why? Because circumstances don't change my outcome. That's why Proverbs 3 says this. Oh yeah, don't worry about that. Proverbs 3 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not where? On your own understanding. Don't let your eyes fool you. Don't let the economy fool you. Don't let well-meaning friends fool you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Don't consider, can I just make it plain for you? Trust God and don't consider anything else. That's what he was trying to tell you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, and all your ways submit to Him. Why? If He's telling us in all our ways to submit to Him, there must be some ways we may not. There must be some ways we may want to rebel. There must be some ways we may want to be Lord over our own life. There gotta be some paths that we we want to take that because the Bible says there's a way that seems right unto the man um, unto man, but the end thereof is what destruction. So there there's some things that look like they should make good sense, you know? It looks like if I take the $10,000 and I pay off the debt, it raises my credit score, which gives me ability to be able to be approved for a loan. But God said, so the $10,000 into the scholarship fund. That don't make sense. Lean not to your own understanding. It seems like a good idea to date him. He goes to church. He has a good job. He has a house. He passed all the background checks I ran on. My friends think he cool. People at the church think he cool. But you got this sense from God that he ain't the one. Lean not to your own understanding. Because what happens is we lean onto our own understanding. We put ourselves in situations uh that God didn't give us permission to be in. And then now we want to be rescued by God. God is a good God and he comes in, but baby, there are consequences for poor decisions. There are some natural things that may occur, like getting pregnant by that dude that you, God told you not to sleep with. It ain't, I mean, I mean, you getting pregnant is a natural consequence. You getting laid, him laying his hands on you a slapping you in the face, whatever happens, it, it, that's because he is who he is, and God told you not to go over there. Your friends told you not to go over there, but you find, found yourself over there, and now you're wondering why, God, why am I in an abusive relationship? Baby, you just didn't listen. Now, I'm not saying that for everybody, right? That is not a caveat for everybody. But I'm saying there are natural consequences. Lord, I don't know how I got this big. You lying. You lie, you do know how hey, you got that big bite by bite. You got that big. All right. I waved myself the other day. I was like, "Woo, Lord. Right. It ain't no question of how I got there. I got there by my mouth. And so but I'm going to get away from there by my mouth and moving my feet. Right. So so a lot of times you're leaning on your own understanding as you try to pursue a promise of god you can't pursue spiritual things through earthly endeavors it won't ever work out you cannot manifest spiritual premises through earthly endeavors it just won't work all right so we got to understand that our perseverance is extinguished through our our own understanding anytime we're talking about things that poison our perseverance Your own understanding, you know, your personal perversions, right? A personal perversion, it could be that you like to be Lord of your own life. You don't like to be told what to do, you don't like to humble, be humble and submit to nobody, right? You don't want to do that. All right. You don't want to do that. That's okay. Because you know, last week, I, I mean, people, it's funny. It's like, okay, then die then, right? The Bible says, I'll lie before you, life and death, choose life. I ain't choosing life, well, die then. And a lot of times we're choosing death, but death deceives us because it's not quick. It's slow erosion, right? It's slow erosion. Like if you just take a water, a water hose and barely turn it on, and dirt, right? And you just let the water flow downhill. Well, if you let that happen, you may come back that an hour later and not see much except it's wet. And you may come back a week later, it's nothing but maybe wet and a little, little bitty small ditch happening, right? But if you let that water flow over time, then what happens eventually, it erodes a path and it creates a path and it becomes wider. And water and water and see that's what sin does. I forget the saying. They say sin keeps you lonely. And you want to be kept and some. I mean, about somebody put it in there. I forget what the saying. But anyway, that's what happens. So so many times we're deceived because we don't die in a sense of earthly understanding. Slowly, that sin, that personal perversion that poisons your perseverance. It's slow. Oh, you know what? You took the text message. Ain't a big deal. I mean, he all he did was ask me how I'm doing. It's not a big deal. It's, it's just one piece of cake. It, it's not a big deal. I mean, he said pray every day. It's not a big deal just to skip one day. I, I know he said to uh not not watch TV, but one show won't hurt. You know, I know he said to stay on my job, but it won't hurt if I get on Indeed and look for one or two and apply for it. You know, I know he said not to move to uh, Atlanta, but it won't hurt to look at plane tickets and see what kind of their housing market looks like. It's just those it's those subtle little things that contradict the word of God, where the enemy is looking for you to open the door so that he can just drag you through. But he's going to make it slow so that you don't feel like you're moving too fast, right? You ever been attracted to somebody, but they just came on the wrong way? And so you're like, oh, yeah, they were cute until they tried to start a conversation. The enemy is all about the soul. He say the right things. He's trying to do the right things. The Bible tells us like this. You're drawn away by the lust of your what? Own heart. And so what he's doing is taking what's in your heart and showing it to you so that you can pursue your, pursue your flesh and not pursue the thing that God wants you to pursue. pursue. Why? Because when you do that, you poison your perseverance and you won't be able to stay steadfast, unmovable, and abound in the works of the Lord. Right? You just won't be able to do it. All right. So let's end let's end with this story tonight. All right. This is where we're going to end tonight. We we, we like to cruise. We ain't been on one in a while, uh, due to uh COVID. Uh, but we like to cruise. And on our last cruise, uh I think it was in twenty nineteen, maybe twenty, yeah, before COVID. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we was on a cruise, we was having a good time. April's family uh was on there. Uh we had it was like 17 of us. It was real cool. We was all chilling and without we uh swimming and everything. And so I was with the kids uh and Aiden in Aiden and April. Was up there on the slides. They had been sliding. Then April came down and talked to me. And then she said she was going somewhere. So in the meantime, I'm like, Aiden's sliding. He's sliding, and he's like, Daddy, I'm gonna go up there and slide. I was like, Okay, cool. I can see you. Stay where I can see you. Well, he went up there, and I was like, Man, it's taking him a long time. Like it don't take that long to climb the ladder. Anyway, unbeknownst to me, Aiden had walked off. Aiden was lost. He was lost to me. And so the moment I noticed that he hadn't slid down and I ran up there and I looked around and I looked everywhere, I panicked. I'm like, my heart sank. I was uh, emotions everywhere, right? Like my kid is not here. All right, talk about a what do we talk about? Poison our perseverance, plaguing problems, plummeted provision. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, what is happening right now? So immediately I just began to pray. And when I prayed, I was like, the Lord is like, you'll find them. So that was a word I stood on. We'll find them. And and, and I began to search for them. But the problem with most people is this. You ain't never noticed that you was missing something. See, I noticed Aiden was missing because Aiden was mine. I noticed Aiden was missing because Aiden belonged to me. I noticed it. See, a lot of y'all ain't... Uh, pursuing abundance because you ain't noticed it belonged to you. You ain't noticed you were ever missing anything. You ain't spent enough time with God to know that it belonged to you. You don't call for stuff that you don't think you're missing. How many of you guys don't have dogs, but you go to the door saying, hey, Cujo, come here. Maggie, come here. Bow wow, come here. You don't call for the dog because you don't own one. It doesn't belong to you. So many times right now, your mouth is telling you what belongs to you. How many times are you teaching? I mean, how many times are you confessing what God has said? You not confessing because you don't think that belonged to you. You ain't noticed nothing was missing. See, I noticed Aiden was gone because Aiden was mine. He's flesh of my flesh, right? He has my blood and my DNA. He is a promise from God. I noticed he was mine. So I pursued. And you don't pursue because you ain't noticed. That's why it's so easy to cave in and quit. That's why it's so easy to not have a working memory because you don't know what belongs to you. I had a working image in my mind. I I saw myself. I saw when Aiden was a baby. I saw when I played catch with Aiden. I saw his first steps. I saw all of those images in my mind. He belonged to me. And I refused to abandon my ownership. I mean, because that's what perseverance is like. Are you refusing to abandon ownership? But the problem is you can't even, you don't even know that you own nothing yet. So you ain't even pursuing it. And once you know you own something, you refuse to abandon ownership. If somebody came and my dog went missing today, I would pursue my dog. Why? Because I know he belongs to me. I know he belongs to me. And see, when you spend enough time in the word of God to know the promises belong to you, you pursue them. Matthew 6 and 33 becomes real easy. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That becomes real easy. Why? Because you know what belongs to you. You know the kingdom belongs to you. Peace and joy. I like that. Peace and joy belongs to me. I don't got to be right now depressed. Why? I pursue what belongs to me. So in my mind, I had already went there because I think it's uh, uh, God. Gloria Copeland said, "If you're willing to stand forever, you won't have to stand for long." So I know we're a little over time tonight. Bear with me; we almost done. So in my mind, right, because I'm always talking y'all painting. You got to have an image painted on the canvas of your imagination, right? The right division make it plain so the people who see it may run with it, right? So in my mind, I had already prepared myself, right? And this is a story for your imagination. I was going to peel away the steel of the ship, the hull of the ship with my bare fingertips if I had to. Why? Because I was prepared to go all the way. We was going to shut down every door. We wasn't going to go. When we docked, When nobody going nowhere. Now, I don't know how I'm going to do all this as one person, but I was prepared to go all the way. Why? Because he belonged to me and I had an image of him i asked people who passed by have you seen my son i'm like what does he look like i'll describe him to him i asked people my i requested help from the people uh that work there I, i found a family member and i said hey can you help me aiden i can't find aiden but i didn't ask his mama why didn't you ask his mama i needed to be able to control the search party I didn't need to be concerned about her while I was also concerned about him. And see, so many times you got to ask yourself, have I picked the right people to endeavor with me? Have I picked the right people to endeavor with me? Because sometimes even though April, she might go too, that's my best friend forever. That's my boo and my love. But in this situation, I, I didn't need April. I needed my brother say it. Uh, my other brother said, "said Von went with me." My brother said, "Marks." I needed him. Why? Because he stayed cool, calm, and collected. I didn't. I need to endeavor with people who I didn't have to be concerned about, who would get lost in translation because of the emotion that they had for that ride for the task that's at hand. And if you notice, the Bible talks to us about that. If you go over there and you study Gideon when he was going to fight the Midianites, right? He, Gideon left with 32,000 men. He left to go fight the Midianites, to go back, because they, uh, they had been in persecution and slavery and all that for like seven or eight years, I believe it was. And God was freeing them. And he told Gideon to do that. He had 32,000 men. And the Lord said, you got too many people. They were not all needing to go with him. So you trying to take too many people, you endeavoring with people that ain't supposed to be endeavoring with you. The Lord told he yeah, had you got too many people. He says, look, here's the plan. Here's the plan. The first group, I'm, you just need to ask them. hey, who afraid? Which one of y'all don't believe we can't make it to $100,000 by July 31st? Y'all, go ahead. Y'all y'all dismissed. Why? Because he said, let me find out which ones are in fear and dismiss them. The Bible says 20,000 men left. 20,000 men left because they were, they were insecure. They, they didn't know if it was going to work. Then the second group, it says, I want you to see who laps water. And anybody who laps water, who lets down their defense, release them. Which ones said they want to go, but they ain't willing to pray. They ain't willing to stand in faith. They ain't willing to confess with their mouth what God has said. They ain't willing from the abundance of their heart to let the, 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 the word of God come out of their mouth with boldness, declare and be unashamed by the gospel. And when they finish, 300 men remain. Sometimes what you think you need isn't always what you need. Sometimes more isn't better. Amen. My faith won't let me punk out. I'm part of the 300 strong. Here's what what God is saying. You only need what God has said to see what God has said. Why? Leaning to your own earthly understanding would have got Gideon to the point he would have lost that war. Why? Because own understanding says 32,000 men is better than 300. Own understanding would have said that a bigger army is better than a smaller army. But godly spiritual advice was this here's the plan. I know the thoughts that I have towards you, Gideon, to give you a hope and a future, one where you win this war. Take 300 men, Gideon. And Gideon didn't question God, he took 300 men. And you know what the end of the story said they were victorious. Why were they victorious? Because they realized that he only needed what God said he needed to see what God said he could say. I mean, he only needed, you only need what God has said to see what God has said. He's like, hey, 300 is all I need because that's all God said I need. Look, the word of, listen, God told you this is your year to have, fill in the blank. What did he tell you you need to have it? Did he tell you you needed the down payment? Did he tell you you needed a 780 credit score? Did he tell you he needed a man to do that? See, you disqualify yourself based on earthly constructs. So anyway, I'm still looking for Aiden. I replayed all the places Aiden had been. We we're on the slide, so I went to the slide. We're uh, we're on the splash pad. I went to the splash pad. I, he, I still haven't found him, but I still had breath, so I didn't stop looking. You I still? I still was breathing, so I didn't stop looking. So as long as there's breath in your bones, you should still be pursuing what God has said. As long as there's breath in your bones, in my bones, I'll always seek you first, for the kingdom of God. As long as there's breath in my body, i mean, there's breath in my body—I always participate in seed, time, and harvest. I won't stop seeking until I am with my Father in perfection. Why? Because perseverance doesn't stop until it sees what God has said for the second time. Until I see the reappearance of the promise, I won't stop seeking. And so as I was looking for that, uh, I'm still looking. And this whole time, guys, Aiden is over there with other family members swimming. I just couldn't see him from where I was standing. And see, I want to tell you tonight, your promises are okay. That they, they they still there, they're comfortably waiting on you. You just can't see them for where you're at. That's why God is growing you up in your character, that's why God is growing you up, uh uh in, in your spiritual confidence. That's why God is growing you up and telling you to be quiet. He's He's just moving your position so that you could begin to see. What you looking at but you don't want to be nobody to talk to you about your bad attitude you don't want nobody to talk to you about your your tardiness and being late you don't want nobody to talk to you about being lethargic and lazy you don't want nobody to give you positive feedback you just want to do what you want to do so you get to see what you see But God is trying to reposition you, right? Because your premises ain't going nowhere. They're waiting on you. Aiden was waiting on me. When I found Aiden, he was like, Daddy, I've been having so much fun. I've been waiting on you. But I'm like, and here I'm as a parent, son, you didn't tell me where you were. What was I understanding? You're just supposed to tell me where you were. Before you leave, you're supposed to communicate with me. That's why I was telling him, but Aiden was still having fun. He was enjoying himself, telling me, I've been waiting on you, daddy. Listen, your promises, they waiting on you. You're not waiting on your promises. They waiting on you. God formed the end before he formed the beginning. He laid out all the plans for you. He put all the goodies in the earth for you. They waiting on you. They're waiting on you. So as we wrap up and we finish tonight, don't let plaguing problems poison your perseverance. Don't let plummeting provision poison your perseverance. Don't let your eyes fool you. Why? Because, because what we got to understand is this, is that situations and circumstances don't change my outcome. Situations and circumstances don't change my outcome. All right. So the other, the other three, don't let painful persecution poison your perseverance. Don't let your personal perversions, the things that you, the issues you wrestle with poison your perseverance. And lastly, don't let passive people poison your perseverance. You got to tame your team. All right. So that's the word for the night. I hope that blessed you. Let's quickly go over the announcements because I know I went over a little bit so you guys can get out of here. All right. So You already know about the scholarship. All right. $100,000. We got uh, $15,000 to manifest itself in the earth. All right. Go ahead and give today. We thank God for gap fillers. We thank God for obedience. We thank God. For the sharing of that, go ahead. I, I challenge you tonight. I'm gonna do it myself. Go ahead and share it on your social media, everywhere that you have social media. Just get the word out there. It's already finished. God told us, and the fact that He told us meant that He it was already provisioned on Earth to get hundred thousand dollars. Join us July 31st, d- this Sunday. Go ahead and join us as we celebrate the hundred thousand dollars, as we worship and praise our God together in person at our uh, uh, next huddle at uh, our Northwest Arkansas location in Fayetteville, 11 p.m. Central, a.m. Central Standard Time. All right. And so today's Wednesday. So Friday. All right. Friday, join us for prayer at 630 a.m. Champion Circle. Um, One of our prayer team uh, members will be there praying. And then Sunday, uh, Pastor Chris will not have worship. Will you have worship, Chris? Pastor Chris? There will be no Christian Valley worships this Sunday because of the huddle. All right, but there will be 9:30 a.m. service. So join Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean at 9:30 a.m. Uh, for some, our online service. Uh, some of you guys could be listening to the online service as you drive from church. I'm driving from Conway; it's about two hours away. So uh, I'll probably be listening. Well, actually, I already I'll be in Fayetteville at 9:30. But anyway, as you travel. You can listen to that. Monday, join Pastor Sean for Strategies for Success uh, at 12 noon on her personal and her private page. I mean, personal uh, and uh, professional Facebook pages, as well as YouTube. Uh, so join her there. And then Tuesday night, join us back at 8 p.m. for prayer. Wednesdays we at 7 p.m. we have Ignite. Make sure that you're tuning in for that. Go to focchurch.com for more information, or you can message uh, Master Chandra or Santresa Uh, For more information about Ignite and then Victory Zones On Demand, make sure you're getting your kids plugged in uh, in in the series that we're teaching now. And every series, even if you miss things like this, this past Sunday, uh, I wasn't feeling well, so I didn't get everything uh, posted. And so there wasn't a video up. But, dude, I think I look, we probably got 80 messages up in Victory Zone or more. Even if there's not a new one, there's plenty word there for your kids. So get them plugged in with that and then join us back here next week uh, for a fresh Bible study as we continue our series on uh, pressing in uh, at persever- the cho- choosing to persevere. All right. You guys be blessed. I think that's all the announcements. Oh, uh, no, no. Come home. Praise God. Uh, it is great. Uh, April, let uh one of my nephews uh, made a commitment to Christ. Uh, we, I mean, guys, I'm, I, the Lord. Listen, if you just do Matthew six and thirty-three, all that other stuff is going to add up for you. Uh, I'm praise God, Angel. This the teaching brought deliverance tonight. Praise God. But but seek people. All right, seek people. Make sure that you're out looking for asking God. God, make my heart tender towards people who don't know you. Give me the words to say. Uh, are the things to do to cause them to see your goodness and your love in this earth because no matter no matter the things we're believing for people should always be something we're believing for all right people should always be something we're believing god for a hundred thousand dollars we believe in god for our debt freedom we believe in god for that but people should always be a priority in the things that we have faith for all right speaking of giving Uh, The Ways to Give are online, Gillify, Pushpay, Tithe, Text to Give, and PayPal at focchurchnwa at gmail.com. If you want to give to the scholarship fund, no matter who you are, you can utilize our PayPal or any of those methods as well. But if you're just giving your uh, tithe and offering, the PayPal is reserved for uh, our international partners. All right. So that is all of the announcements, I believe. So go do good for God this week. Pray about, um, uh, Pray about the people that God wants you to minister to. Persevere for people. Don't just be willing to persevere for yourself. Persevere for people. I got some family members I'm really praying for. And I had some circumstances that were contradictory to what God told me would happen for their life. But don't don't get it faded. Don't get it twisted. They still belong to the Lord and they will be in the kingdom. And that's what I confess of them. So go after people, go do good for God. I love you and be blessed. Bye-bye.